Welcome to the Unapologetically Educated Podcast, a place for leadership, education, and real talk, where we can discuss the ups and downs, changing trends, and straightforward conversations about education. Now, your host of the Unapologetically Educated Podcast, Principal Hannibal. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Unapologetically Educated. I am excited because we have two more episodes left after today. And I have so much love for all of you for listening, for subscribing, for following me on social media, for leaving feedback and comments. Like I appreciate everything. Um, even those they're like, Hey, could you, have you tried this? Like, I appreciate the feedback because this space is for us to grow and get better together. But then it's also a space like where we can shout out each other and find each other in the work. There are so many phenomenal leaders out there doing this work. And it's also a this podcast is is a touch point and accountability piece. So we constantly grow in this work. There is no way you can stay stagnant in education. And that's why I love it so much because there's all, there's always room to grow. So on this episode today, I have two leaders that are heading in the same direction, but getting there on different pathways. And so the first leader is not new to education, but she is brand new to the principalship. And so she's going to come on and give her insight. And I have another principal where she has almost 30 years in the game, but she has just become um, a principal at a new school. So like, what is her perspective with all of this that's happening in our world today? And so I titled this episode, When It All Falls Down. And I, all I could hear is, and if you guys are hip hop fans and you know I am, is Selena Johnson singing When It All Falls Down. And at this moment, it's kind of all falling down, but I'm... I think about when it all falls down, we have an opportunity as educators, as citizens to build it better. So let's dive into the show. Principal Fitzpatrick. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity of being one of your co-hosts. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Let's uh, first of all, I want to start off by again, thanking you. And um, this is a great opportunity. I've been following you as well. Um, you're very um, inspiring. Uh, so thank you for the shout out with that. I'm Wendy Fitzpatrick, and I've just completed a little celebration here. I just completed yes. my 30th year. So that's what you were Woo! talking about, Principal Hannibal. Exactly. So my 30th year in education. I'm extremely excited about that. Yeah. So almost three decades. So you're absolutely right. As an administrator, I feel like that I'm a, I'm a servant of others, definitely. 27 years of, the, of my career, I've been in an urban setting. Title One schools. Um, I'm an instructional leader that advocates for for our children. I, I'm I'm one of those that's very intentional with my work when in in regards to our children and what they need. Um, and I'm also here to help our teachers grow as teachers and giving them what they need. Um, empowerment is my jam. Um, I feel that educating children and believing them empowering them to go after their goals and after their dreams is what is what I lead. I, I lead my, my way through my career with, uh, with that in mind. And I always just think about Albert Einstein, his quote that he always talks about, everybody is a genius, 
But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life believing it's stupid. So I always think about that because how things are just how that um, things are just not equal and inequity of things. And I believe that's what the world wants us to believe about ourselves. So I always share that quote with others and, and just remember that all our kids are geniuses and we have to help push them along the way and let them know that they're they're worse. All right. Thank you. And then you. we have um, Principal Kelly McWashington. Tell them about who you are. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. And thank you, Principal Hannibal, for the opportunity for me to come on here, um, especially to share my insight as a, a new uh, campus principal but um, not necessarily new to education. Um, I just finished my 21st year um, in education with a plethora of roles that I was had an opportunity to partake in. Um, I, I had the great opportunity to actually start this great adventure in the educational world and uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, working in Kakashi Parish School District. Um, where I was working um, in elementary. I, unfortunately, due to Hurricane Rita, I then, then transferred to Texas, working in Fort Bend ISD, which was a phenomenal opportunity because here I am, um, young Louisiana girl, coming, moving into the big, great state of Texas, and then also moving into a district where we were so culturally diverse. Um, at that time, uh, there were 77 different languages spoken. So you can imagine, even as a, a, a new teacher and really new to a, a different environment, being able to um, be engulfed in this type of magnitude of diversity within your classes. I believe my opportunity that I had to teach and lead in Fort Bend ISD truly propelled me to be able to teach mm -hmm anyone, um, not teaching an ethnic race, not teaching a color, but to teach student bodies that was, you know, within my, my presence and my reach. Um, then transition on up to the great North Texas. Um, during that time, had an opportunity to um, not only teach, but then move on to some more instructional leadership roles as a TAP master teacher, um, instructional specialist, then I transferred to the Great DeSoto ISD as an instructional coordinator, moved on up to an assistant principal at the high school, and now currently my role as principal of a middle school here in DeSoto ISD. And so through all of this time, one thing that truly stuck with me was teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. So despite my roles that I have, I'm always an educator. I'm an educator at heart because I truly believe in teaching and learning this is what's going to impact our students. This is what's going to move the needle. And just a little bit tidbit of information I always give to my teachers is that we don't want our students to know information. We want them to learn it. And once they learn it, that is their empowerment for them to thrust to whatever levels that they choose to be. So again, thank you. And I am so excited for this opportunity. All right. So, um, 
again, two totally different ends of the spectrum in regards to time as principal, but both of these ladies have a plethora of experience um, in the world of education. And so um, I was talking to my husband the other day, and he was like, how do you pick people to come on the show? Like, do you do people sign up? Do, pe do you call people out? And I said, well, it's a little bit of both. Um, in order to be unapologetically educated to me, um, that means that you are a change agent. Like, you're okay with seeing that there's something wrong in the, in the system, and you're an advocate to fix it, not only for um, students and families, but for teachers, but for leaders. Um, because if we're not constantly growing and changing and evolving in this sense of education, um, um, we get to some of the things that we're seeing right now, um, and, or we get to a road, a bump in the road, in which I'm thankful for. We have this bump in the road of COVID. Um, we have this bump in the road now, and I wouldn't even call it a bump in the road. We have this recycled um, system of racism in our country right now that we are really looking for at this moment in our lives, key solutions, not um, solutions that just put the Band-Aid on, but we're looking for systematic change. Um, and mm -hmm. so with that said, we are closing down the end of the school year for most school systems unless you are a year-round school. Um, but even that, you still got to tra transition from 1920 to 2021. And in that transition, our students, our families, our teachers, they, we have been exposed to so much in this one school year. So... Before we dive in, I got to calm you down because a lot of times people come on the show, they're nervous. So we're going to talk about, before we talk about that, what are you, what are you, what's in your musical playlist? Because I'm a music person. What's in your musical playlist? Right now, my leadership this week is, uh, I'm somewhere in between Rick Ross and Rhapsody. And Rick Ross, because I've been on my entrepreneur spirit here lately, um, and Fitzpatrick, you are in Florida, so you know who Rick Ross is is um but i've been on the entrepreneur spirit here lately and then rhapsody because i'm just about um empowerment you know in order to do this work you have to only not only grow self but you have to be dedicated into growing others so those two are kind of on repeat in my playlist um i'll start with kelly what are you listening to right now what i am listening to is that what's, what, what it, it keeps me grounded um, is my streetwise jazz. Okay. And what happens with me is that I have a, a, a total ADD brain <laughs> and it never cuts off. It never turns off. So me having an opportunity to put on some smooth jazz, it kind of, you know, puts me more in a relaxed state um, and, and takes me away from the 1000 stickies, as you stated, as a new principal. So it takes me away from those 100,000 stickies that I have to do any and everything and then just just take a moment and relax. Um, and if I have my smooth jazz on, the next thing I'm going to do is pick up a book and read. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of gets me a little bit grounded instead of trying to tackle 900 to do items. Gotcha. All right, Principal Fitzpatrick, what you listening to? Man, I was over here thinking like, geez, a little bit of everything. I'm a I'm a Earth, Wind and Fire. Okay. Die Hard. I'm a um, Drew Hill. I'm Jill Scott, J. Cole, um, Jay-Z. Okay. Okay, um, we can vibe. Okay. Oh, yeah. So different, yeah. just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Right. And jazz here and there, definitely my gospel. So it, it just depends, honestly. 
where I am mentally. Okay. <laughs> Kelly is actually right. That smooth jazz, though, it will mellow you out. Like, mm-hmm. and it does help you kind of center your, your energy onto one thing. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a station that I listen to, um, on title that kind of keeps me going. And so that's definitely who would be Kelly, your favorite. Do you have a favorite jazz artist or you just listen to just a little bit of everybody? Oh no. Mar- uh, Marion Meadows, uh, Chris Loeb, Chris Bodie. You know, those are my favorite repeats. Okay, awesome. Because people going to want to know when you say jazz, like, who are yeah. you talking about? Right. All right. <laughs> so now that I kind of got y'all comfortable, because I, I kind of heard some, some just a little bit of like, oh, Lord, this could go any kind of way. Um, please know that um, if you've listened to the show, I, I kind of let the spirit move me. And then sometimes I have to cut it out because I went too far. <laughs> so well, as we dive into the work. Our people will be looking to us for answers. Our our families, our students, our teachers, you know, you still get out, you still get the one off text right now asking questions um, because there's so much um, that will be expected of education. Nobody is saying it right now. But we are tasked as educators to say this whole thing. I want everybody to realize who, who's listening to this podcast, educators will be tasked with saving this whole situation, with healing, because the work that we do transcends the four walls of schools. So I want to ask you guys um, one question to start. How are you mentally preparing yourselves as leaders to come back and lead the buildings, the schools that you lead? I'm going to jump in because um, for me, I, I, I find it a tad bit possibly easier than a veteran principal. So a, a veteran principal school leader have always been used to X, Y, and Z. They do it every year. They close the school one way. They have summer, get ready for PD, open it. And for most, you know, it was it was easy. It it was just something that they have done for me, looking at how I began school and on March 16th, how I had to transition from now a new campus leader to now a new leader leading a virtual school. Um, which is a pretty large school with staff. And it, it was it was mind boggling because I, I thought I had my path to, to May, if you would say, all done. It was great. And all of a sudden, you know, there was this swift um, turn in, in this pathway. And so now I'm engulfed with being a virtual campus administrator creating roles, creating responsibilities. What will this look like? How do we check in? How do I do leadership? You know, where is my to-do whiteboard that's supposed to be in my office that keep me grounded on track? All of that was was gone. And so at a, at, at a quick shift and turn, um, I had to transition. I believe it was easier for me because I didn't have so much baggage with me that I was trying to take with me on this new journey that we had. I had to be mentally ready and stable, but also show them that it is okay to be able to move with the unknown. 
And so um, just for instance, I gave my, my admin tent team, um, you know, uh, an activity at the beginning of the school where they had to be blindfolded and they had to make their, their way back to my office. And it's about trust. And so what I did was when I met with my admin team during the school closure, I brought that back up to them and to talk to them about, you know, you remember we had to trust the unknown and the unseen. And I believe that's where we are now. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting a little bit better vision. You know, we're not 2020 yet, but we're getting there. But it's all about being able to trust the unknown during this process which will, will truly give any and everybody just a little bit uh, better clarity in a mental state. So that's just my words of wisdom from a, from a new administrator, um, just being able to help with the mentality for our teachers and all other stakeholders within our schools doing this system. All right, um, yeah. Ms. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, so uh, Principal McWashington, you're absolutely right. If there was anything else, I probably would feel like I got this like, you know, back of my hand. But it's <laughs> this situation, uh, the playing field is definitely level for all of us because we're all making it up as we go. This is all new to us. We don't know. So feel I, I feel like the same as you as a, a, as a new principal, honestly, because we don't know what to do. We don't know what this is going to look like from day to day when we were um, doing our virtual learning, this remote learning platform that we were doing. But I agree with you. It's really all about building relationships right now and making sure that we're healthy mentally and emotionally mm -hmm, healthy mm -hmm. to lead the charge for our staff uh, when, however, it's going to look in the fall. I'm not sure. Uh, have that trust in place, relationships. For me, going to a new building this coming school year, I don't know how it's gonna look in the process of moving, but I know the first thing is trying to build relationships. And because of where we are, and I, I get it with the pandemic situation, that's one thing, you know, ensuring that we still have these cautious um, and safety procedures in place, but just what the world is going through right now. So going in also, making sure that we're all having those courageous conversations mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. book studies. And, and, and one thing, one concern initially was our concern about the pandemic. Now we got this other issue walking right. in. So it, it is. So now that kind of, we had that in the back of our head in March, but now just as of, as early as May, now we have to deal with that. So it's two things that emotionally and mentally we have to prepare ourselves uh, with, I've been doing some um, meditation and prayers. I've always been a praying person, but just to meditate is new for me. And I've been um, advised of that. And I've been trying it recently and it really has helped. It really has helped me. All right. So, so that's one thing to get myself ready for. Um, you spoke, Principal Fitzpatrick, about that other issue. And so, you know, here on Unapologetically Educated, I'm going to call it what it is. We have a humanity, <laughs> a race issue that we are, yes, honestly, we have to go back to school. And of course, and, and whether that's brick and mortar, half brick and mortar, all online, whatever it may be. Yes, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the pandemic of COVID is one that we will have to, you know, discuss and figure out and troubleshoot. And that was just one thing that we were all having the slight, slight angst about. But now um, we are finally 
going to have these conversations that have been needed to have been had for hundreds of years. And I think we got the right young people in the space. I think we got the right, you know, older adults like myself and older in the space. I think we got the right people ripe to advocate um, and synergize for the conversation of the racial pandemic. And, and I want us to always be able to name that. I think Principal Fitzpatrick is going into a new space as a new leader with COVID, but now also having to talk to a brand new staff that you really don't know. Right. About right. like let's have how to have these courageous conversations about race um, and equity, period. Right. So thinking about that, I want you to change your lens of just a smidget. And let's think about professional development and coaching. We all know um, that we have to have build relationships with our teachers. We all know this. But the way we do that, would it change from the way we did it in brick and mortar? Do we need to do something? What What do we do? Should it change the way we build culture in brick and mortar to the way we need to do it now? What What do we do differently or do we stay the same? And when you speak about it, be very concrete in like what are some ways you've done, things you did to build culture? Because a lot of us think culture is, you know, just throwing, you know, parties and recognizing birthdays and how do you build culture that is longstanding to get us through this time and really um, what Principal Fitzpatrick talked about, those courageous conversations? Well, you kind of mentioned, um, Principal Hannibal, that it seems like it's okay now for us to have these conversations, which we knew that way for many years mm. that this, this type of conversation um, should have happened and on an ongoing basis. And that kind of, I'm kind of annoyed by society has given us the blessing to do it now, you know, and um, kind of giving us the okay. It's okay. Y'all can go ahead and start these conversations because now we see it's necessary. Um, and I know that these conversations are very, they're uncomfortable for many. Um, I, we started that a while ago, but not as much as it should have been. Of course, you know, us as being uh Black leaders, we know that is, you know, it has been needed. And we probably, many of us, if not most, have already had um, pieces of it already a part of our school and our school culture. Whether it's a book study, whether it's some um, PDs where people, you know, we've had some professional um, development instructors coming in to talk about uh, culturally responsive classrooms or what have you. But um, as for me as a leader, one thing that I will continue to do, and it is first to start relationships uh, for me, especially when you mentioned about going into a new building. Absolutely. But what that looks like for me is, first of all, trying to get to know them, just like they would have to get to know me. And knowing, I want them to know their teach their students, just like I'm trying to get to know them, because you can't teach who you don't know. I can't work with teachers that I don't know and how I can help them and find their weaknesses and their strengths and build on that. So that's what I was spending a lot of my time doing initially. I would probably at this state, you know, if we're in the building to maybe, you know, have some uh, yoga sessions, some outlets, some stress outlet, uh, have some, 
I'm real big on coffee and conversations where I was very intentional with trying to build, um, just having one-on-one talks outside of the social committee doing stuff as a group, you know, Mm -hmm. but just really me being more vocal and visible in their life and not, you know, than just going into a classroom doing observation, but really me getting to know them because that's what I expect them to do with their students. Uh, very much the same as Ms. Fitzpatrick has explained about relationships. Um, one thing for me uh, is that I've always believed in having these intimate conversations. Um, we talk all the time and we tell leaders, you know, get to know your teachers. You need to know their strengths, their weaknesses. And we're talking about an an aspect of a teacher on qualities of what they are as a teacher. Mm. And sometimes we fail to realize that they are still a person. Mm -hmm. And I can't get to know coach, change a mind shift of a teacher without knowing the person. And so that's what I had to do for me to, to, to tremendously go in and change that culture. I had to know my people. And so in knowing my people, we had these intimate conversations. What that looked like um, on a conference time, I stopped in with a cup of tea. Um, I had to realize is that regardless of how many times my teachers saw me, They saw Principal McWashington. They never saw Kelly. And so we started just having some intimate conversations, whether it was about your dog, your your cat, a hobby. And I really got to know my staff as well as them knowing me. So now when it was time to talk about, hey, let's look at, you know, how we can be a little innovative in this particular lesson. Then they knew it was okay. It wasn't just coming from Principal McWashington. They knew it was coming from a good place. It was coming from Kelly. And I've always expressed, at the end of the day, we have titles, but the number one role in this school is to support students. And that's from the title of principal all the way to the title of attendance clerk. It didn't matter. When we have that mentality and that mindset, then everyone is going to work for kids. They won't work for titles. And so, as you stated, building those relationships is paramount to be able to go in and coach teachers. So now I can coach teachers on a a Teams call. I can coach a teacher um, on a Zoom call, on a telephone call. I mean, I was with teachers 10 o'clock one night on GroupMeet. And we were just discussing what would school look like next year. They value that so much. Someone um, typed in there and they says, wow, what does it say about our leader that we Mm -hmm. can respond to her text at 10 o'clock at night? I did say, make sure you guys don't report me to TEA. I was just stopping by saying, hi, you guys opened the door. But it was the relationships that we built that that we, we can have that. And it's been a long time since we've been face to face. And so the teachers began to say, wow, thanks, we needed this. There were some jokes, some laughter. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's the type of culture we need to be able to grow a teacher in any capacity, in any type of setting, whether it's in school, standing in front of them with a projector and uh, and a PowerPoint, or Mm -hmm. we just having collegial conversations over a Zoom call. Um, That's what's going to really help us get through this, the new normal. And what education will look like going forward. 
Yeah, you're right. And just to know that we're in this together, we're in this together and um, just provide that space where we can lean on each other. You're absolutely right. So um, as I, I listen to both of you ladies, I'm kind of I'm going to sum up, but then you, you, you tweaked the nerve in me. So I'm going to go ahead and go. But what I heard is, number one, how how important it is to be intentional with the relationships you build and within building relationships. People have to know who you are, not as Principal Hannibal, but who I am as Deidre and and and. and what that looks like. My my teachers know I am a trap music lover. I'm a music lover <laughs> of all sorts. But if you pull out them AirPods, you're going to hear something that you might not be ready for. Um, but I embrace that. And like, it's okay to be that. Um, I am also, uh, I, I have, I'm, I'm at any moment liable to chase a kid down the hallway or dance in the hallway. Like be authentically you. And I think that's what Kelly spoke about being who you really are. But I want to also add to that is be vulnerable in the space. Like people need to understand that you might not always have the answer, but collectively we're going to work together to figure that out. Don't mm -hmm. wear that badge of honor of stressing yourself out of always being the person to figure it out. Um, just shout out to my A team and they know who they are, but I could just have an inkling of a thought. And next thing I know, they put that thing together. So don't feel like as the the person with their name on the letterhead that you got to have all the answers. And then I want to shift us. Miss uh, Principal Fitzpatrick already started, um, but um, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. So she talked about professional development and books and things like that. But I want to caution us all as leaders like, yes, um, when – you know, the pandemic happened, the racial pandemic happened. We all, you know, started putting out books and things to read, and which is great. I want people to educate themselves so they can have the conversation. But what I want to caution us to think about is we're not only developing our, our teachers, our staff members, we're not only developing them professionally, but we should start thinking about this as life development. Because Absolutely. if we limit this to just, hey, I got out of my car, I'm walking into the building, oh, now I got to be a crusader for justice. And you really not doing this and through our walks of life, guys, we're going to end up back in the same situation. So I want to caution us to put this in a, in a frame when we talk to our staff, even our parents. This is life development. And then what does it look like to develop teachers for life? And when I start thinking about developing them for life, I do start thinking about taking care of them. When you think about professionally, you're only thinking about them as a career, as um, the next book or the next set of data that we need for the state or for the federal government. But when you start thinking about I'm developing life, it changes in your mind and in your brains, right, of like what needs to happen. So... As we transition off this question, I want to give every leader, I want us to think about what do our teachers need from us as leaders to develop them for life? See, that's a different thought, because when I start thinking about PD, professional development, I'm like, oh, my God, I got to teach them how to lesson plan. I got to teach them how to. But when we start thinking about life development, we're going to start thinking about how do we have conversations Right. How do I understand? I got one white teacher on my campus. How do I, you know, have the conversation of race? Right. And it, it doesn't, you know, it ruffles feathers, but it doesn't cause people to quit. Like unless, you know, 
you a racist and you should quit. But I'm sorry, that was a one-off. But but also, if I am the black principal of an all-white campus or predominantly white campus, how do I have, because it's a life development. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my teachers are coming back and they're stressed because they might have to teach online school and brick and mortar school. When I develop them for life, what do I need to pour into them? You're going to start thinking about stress techniques, maybe bringing in a therapist, maybe bringing in somebody who's going to massage or do a pedicure. We're going to think about all these other things except, you know, within, you know, the school system. But we're also going to think about how to grow them for life because we need our teachers equipped to withstand all this pressure that they're about to be under. So we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to start thinking about like what those conversations in those intimate settings will look like. This episode is brought to you today by the Unapologetically Educated Store. Yes, listeners and subscribers, you heard it. The Unapologetically Educated Store. We have all the swag, the merchandise that you need to represent unapologetically. So please go to the store. And if you go before July 31st and use the code UEducated, the letter U, UEducated, you will you will receive 20% off your purchase. Again, the Unapologetically Educated Store is now live in and unapologetically ready for you to shop. We are back from break, and um, y'all, we talked about on break, these two ladies are my my Rachel Farrell, Kim Burrell, you know, Kenny G vibe. Like, they are are slappy, but they at the same time going to be like, I don't want to hurt my pearls. So um, I love the fact that, you know, change agents don't always have to be – like confrontational. And so it depends on who you have on the show, who you have growing your space. And so I'm just honored to have these two wonderful minds on the show. So as we start to wrap up, we wanted to um, have the discussion about what are some concrete, finite resources and tools that we could use um, as school leaders? Like, what are some things that we could put in your hands? But before we answer that question, We wanted to talk about, you know, having these courageous conversations as Principal Fitzpatrick spoke about. Having these courageous conversations mean that you got to have a thought process. You just can't open up the space and be like, let's talk about it. You're going to get way more than you bargained for. You want to be structured in those conversations. And so we want to talk about some protocols and some things that you can use to engage um, people, engage your staff, families, and students into the work. Um, So um, principals, what are you guys thinking about? What are some things, some structured systems to engage people in conversations about race, but even about just a pandemic and how they're feeling in general. Kelly, you want to go or? Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, You know, for me, as, as an educator, I worked in two different school systems where I was the only black teacher. Um, Not only the only black teacher, but the only black employee in that building. Uh, there were students that looked like me, resembled me. Um, parents, of course, looked like me, resembled me. But there were students at a time 
that if I was the only black teacher in that building, they may have went through that school, never having a teacher look like them. Uh, one thing about me was that I stayed true to who I was. I was a black teacher teaching in a school system. I was going to uh, give those students who I was. I was going to listen to the music that I choose to listen to. Um, we had quiet time put on music. I was going to be me so I can represent who I was and also the black and brown students that was in my classes as well. One thing that didn't really stick to me until my daughter told me her junior year in high school, she went through Frisco ISD. Her junior year, she told me that um, this is the second time that I've been in school that I've had a black teacher. Mm. And that right there, that, that, that hit me because she had a black teacher in second grade and she had an opportunity to have another one in 11th grade. And we go through this, this system um, and, and, and that's built on this Victorian model. And, you know, students go from grade to grade, they have classes, they learn, they be promoted. But it hasn't been until recently, and of course until now, how do we even teach students besides some core competencies, some, some state standards, but how do we teach students how to culturally connect with people other than them? Because they get the, the connectiveness from home, family, family reunions, cookouts, all of those things. But how are we teaching students how to connect, how to have collaborative groups? We tell them what to talk about these, the questions, but if I, if it's me in a group, I'm the only African-American black student in a group and I, I'm in a group with five white girls, yes. how do those five white girls know how to culturally connect mm -hmm. with me? And I think that's where we missing the boat in education. We're missing it because we're teaching the ABCs and one, two, threes, but how do we, we, we understand, how do they understand me? And so now as a school leader, it is very important that I try my best to have a culturally diverse staff because it's not just so that the students, which is great, have an opportunity to see someone that looks like them, but having different cultures will actually teach us how to, to meander, how to go on besides the brick and mortar of the, of the walls. And so now, as you say, you know, the school systems, as we know, the school systems is be all. We fix everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we inherit the problem and then we have to come up with a solution. Well, one of the solutions that we're fighting now is how to culturally connect with people. Mm -hmm. You know, so society on, on television presents one picture, but that's not the picture that we have that's sitting in those classrooms. That's not the picture that we have where a teacher is looking and speaking with a kid on Zoom, being able to understand their dialect, um, their colloquialisms, uh, their, their, their humor, all of that is being able to culturally connect with students. And so me, as, as a building principal, I have, to, I have to spearhead that. I have to get those, those conversations started. 
I have a great mentor. She was my mentor in Louisiana, has always been someone near and dear to me, Dr. Rose Sells Duharn. And she is the pioneer on multicultural education. Um, if you haven't read about her, any of her books that she has, she really dibs into how do we deal with this multicultural aspect. And I do believe once we start gearing towards that, that will help bridge that gap between the known and unknown. And if I have a school system with students that are coming from one cultural background, and then I have a staff from another, that is the biggest unknown. Uh, and there's no professional development. You know, there's no thinking um, circles that we can do. We have to truly, I mean, this is something that it has to be dissected. I mean, this is like an immediate triage. This is stage three. We're not stage one, this is stage three. This is serious on being able for us to truly understand how to connect culturally. So you mm -hmm. said life development is what I heard you say. Yeah, exactly. So tell me the exactly. name again of the lady with the, I know you have something, um, Principal Fitzpatrick, but what was the, the name of the, the lady, your mentor? Dr. Rose Sales Duhorn. Okay. We'll have to put that out there, but thank you. All right. Um, Principal Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I kind of thinking about what you were just, you were talking about um, developing them for life. Uh, before I kind of address what you just asked, I, I kind of want to tap tap into that. Um, you know, I, I think about what we can teach and what we can't teach. Mm. I think about what's in, what's innate, and um, how can we unwire their thought process? Mm. How can we do that? Um, basically unwire their thoughts, just like how hatred and racism is taught. Mm -hmm. How can we teach that even starting within our school culture and our, our teachers? Um, we will hope that they're coming into this profession, this career, because they love kids. That's what we will hope. Um, yeah. And not looking at it as a job um, or because I get a check every two weeks, but let's ho truly hope that they're they're, the love that they have in it for children and want to make a difference for children. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I worry about that because I believe just with how this, the state that we're in globally and um, our current president, to be honest, that I believe that a lot of that has been there, just that now people feel comfortable because he gives it the okay to, See, you, you it, it's been suppressed. See, you it's been suppressed. something that I don't think you're ready for that, uh, Principal mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick. Okay, okay. So I'm just going to move on, but let's just go back. I, I, I'll go there with you. Let's right. be clear. <laughs> <laughs> you calling me uh, all this other, it's in us now. It's in us. So <laughs> just, I'm just worried about all of that. Mm -hmm. And just where do we make a change? Where does the, where does the world and globally, where do we start making this change? Because I even look at just how the standardized tests, how they are and how they're designed. Because um, we can talk about cultivating our students. And that's what I said that I, you know, I'm really about empowering our students and, and their uniqueness and everyone being a genius. And I truly, truly believe that. But for us, and for us to cultivate the unique unique gifts and the talents and interests that our students have. But I, I'm just, 
I, I'm wondering if we're if the world is ready for us really tapping into that. Um, they don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the answer. And, and I know that we, you know, can only be um, within our four walls, which is our school walls, that we have control of what we have control of and what we don't have control of. So that, you're right. We have to continue to just hone into that and let that be our focus uh, moving forward. So to kind of just, I just needed to just kind of say that because when you talked about um, developing them for life as our teachers, I just, we just got to get the bad apples out of there and continue to work with the ones who who, who want to be unwired if they are wired and not suppress their feelings, which I believe the most of the world has been doing for and all I, these years. I think no anyway. matter if they're, no matter if they're black, white, whatever their color exactly. is, you know, exactly. sitting, sitting in the space as leaders, you already know some people that ain't don't need to be in the system that made the cut, so to speak. Exactly. Um, exactly. But this is going to, the more we get intentional with life development, you're going to get intentional with who needs to be in your space. And then that means exactly. brick, and mor brick and mortar or virtually, because it's not going to be just um, a strong content teacher, but she can't, he or she can't manage kids or he, he or she can't build relationships. Mm -hmm. Those people will no longer have places. So instead right. of us looking for how well you can teach content, we're going to look at how well you can build relationships and build connectedness in those spaces. If we start looking at that first, the content's going to come that instructional exactly. piece, exactly. Um, the academic piece. And so most definitely, but now shifting back to the essential question, which is what yes. are some ways that we have these conversations? What are some structured ways? Uh, well, there are some things that I, I believe that we all need to have in place as leaders. And, um, and that's some professional developments that we're talking about. There's things that I, I encourage for all um, leaders to, to educate themselves more on how we can deliver these things for our teachers. Uh, whether they're the, the uh, courageous conversations, that's a given, we know that's needed. Um, but to get into more, dig more deep into, just like how we do with data and looking at students, we have to do more so of that, uh, even with the social emotional learning and um, the diversity and just the cultural um, awareness for our staff. So that's one way that I feel that we have to get started. One that I want to, um, I guess, talk about is school reform initiative has these protocols because, you know, as a leader, you're sitting there trying to plan and you link in videos to PowerPoints and you are trying to find the right questions to ask. Um, school reform initiative have the SRI. SRI protocols. It's a whole book of them. I, I would suggest any leader purchase uh, the book. I don't think it's on Amazon. Um, and the way they've been slightly price gouging, I would just suggest you go to the vendor. Um, but it's school reform initiatives. And even if you don't want to buy the book, they have all of the protocols um, available um, online for you to print off and use at your leisure. But I say that to say, you have to be intentional with this, um, the, the conversations you're having with your staff. But then also the uh, the SRI, SRI protocols also are things you can take and use in the classroom with your students. So what you want to make sure of with any PD, number one, you have an intentional PD plan. Let me just start right there. Just don't have a race conversation one time and talk about it no more the rest of the school year. That's insane. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's asinine, and then ain't nobody going to do it. They're just going to tell you what it is. So 
have a PD plan where it's embedded, but, but actually at the bottom of every PD you should do or every life development LD, let's call it, let's change it. Every LD you do with your staff, it should be a student application apply it piece. So how are we going to take this LD session life development session, how are we going to take this and now see it in action with kids? Because a lot of times we talk about what we need to do as adults, but then it never transfers down to the kids. And see, the way we affect change, not only in our educational system, but in our life system for our kids, is we got to share the information with them. We got to get them, like Kelly spoke about connectedness. You're the only black girl and you in a group, a book study with five white girls. So, yeah, I won't do the classic responses maybe, or maybe I, I, have, I share the same values. But if we never unpack that connectedness and what it means to be black and brown and white and every other color, um, what does it mean in that space? Like our kids never understand how to do that. So any PD needs to have a student application piece of how does that teacher take that life development training and do it with the kids that they service. And then lastly, monitor that thing. Because if we're not monitoring it, they might take it back and do it two times. But if they figure out you're not coming to check, that's not going to happen again. Um, with that, in order to be unapologetic, that means even if your school systems don't have race, diversity, and inclusion in the space. I started thinking about principal's campus improvement plans. What does your vision look like for your school if it's truly diverse? If you're truly connected, what does that campus improvement plan look like? Mm -hmm. Y'all see where I'm going with that? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That's so yeah. true. We yep. have a lot of power in our spaces, but if we choose just to be the status quo, our campuses are just going to be the status quo. And, and, mm -hmm. and Sean Joseph talked about in another episode is what we do in schools breeds out into the community. So if we're ineffective in schools, our communities become ineffective and become wastelands, I think is what he said. And so we want to make sure that whatever we're promoting and putting out is building better communities, right? Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's that's what I what I, I kind of touched on earlier, um, Deidre, is that uh, our school system is the be all. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it 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 used to you teach kids the ABCs and one two threes, and they're going to graduate and go on to be productive citizens and build the community. Well, that's no longer what we have here. So you think about all the roles that you have in a school that you have to touch. Um, it's, it's far beyond the ABCs. We are talking about nutritional health for students. Mm. We're talking about mental health well-being for students. We're trying to actually educate students. And you're doing all of these components with the adults as well. So if we are an institution that is doing more than just education now, then now we have to educate, we have to embody what is our cultural, cultural connectivity with all that the stakeholders that are involved. Mm -hmm. So when you're mentioning our campus improvement plans, um, a, a teacher professional development plan, culture should be in there. We are no longer the people that I am to build the culture on the school. So we're going to have three parties. We're going to have um, popcorn on Thursdays right. and I'm going to give away. No, that that's, that's um, for me, that's just giving them some happy. That's just giving, oh, I love, I, I'm happy on Thursday because we get popcorn. 
Well, what about Tuesday, Wednesday? What about Friday? What are we doing at that point? Well, that's that's the piece that has to come in on being able to be culturally aware of every and anybody that's in our school system. So now when they leave with their book smarts and they leave with their education and their diplomas and they're going out into society, they're not only just taking math and algebra, they're also taking how do I deal with culturally diverse people that I connect with, mm-hmm. my neighbors, my employers. Um, like the gentleman stated um, on the news, he told his daughter, I, I'm not racist. I work in the hood. <laughs> I'll let that sink in for a minute. Wow, exactly. He said, I'm not racist. I work in the hood. And the daughter just couldn't, she was baffled. What does that mean, Dad? She asked, do you, do you, do you talk? Are they your friends? You know, do you meet for lunch? No, I just work in an area. So think about that dad and we just going to propel him like do jump into the future. And he is in one of our schools. He's in our institution. Yes. Yes. We are teaching him the fundamentals of um, academics. That's helping him to get that financial job that he has. But now he has the, the, the cultural awareness and understand I don't connect with different cultures because I work in that in that in that area, right. in that society. So, yes. So. Our whole school institution is it's just blown up from what it used to be. And we have to have the mindset that now we're beyond four brick um, walls and brick and mortar. We, we're beyond that. We are the community. Mm-hmm. So now schools, we are the community. And, and, and what we want our community to look like is designed by what our schools look like. Ooh, yes, ma'am. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I just curls off. I'm sorry. No, right, right. You're well, fine. you know what? <laughs> I just thought about um, when we're talking about professional development and you mentioned about some of the um, protocols um, in regards to even with our professional development with SRI. A, a real powerful protocol is the chalk talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's powerful because you have to be silent, you know, and then it's an opportunity um, for them to reflect without talking, right. you know, and, and to just show the representation of whatever their relevant question it is. And then, you know, they go around and they jot down uh, comments, ask questions, draw images, uh, just show the connection mm-hmm. from person in a silent manner. And that's just very powerful because you don't get a chance to talk. There is no, uh-huh, mm-hmm, n- no sounds or anything. And it's just quiet and just, and you can have a series of them around as a gallery walk, or you can, you know, just have the one and everyone to just kind of go back to that with the time that's given to them. Yes. So there's just a, a lot of powerful. I love that one, actually. <laughs> Me too. So, um, and that that's a good nugget. And we can, we'll definitely make sure that our, our viewers, our listeners, not viewers, <laughs> our listeners get that um, in a document as I post this episode. But we're going to transition to my favorite part of the show, which is, thank God a teacher raised me. And so this is the part where you get to shout out someone who either helped you, someone you see doing the work now, but just an amazing um, educator that, you know, that is, that is helping and, and loving on kids and growing kids past or present? Who would want, who wants to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. Tell if you don't mind. Mine, I'm going to approach it from taking a negative to a positive. Um, so mine is a little different. I want to thank the white teachers who are in my life. 
I was uh, went to um, schools, private schools that were all predominantly white. Um, there were two types. There were either the ones that showed racism, whether it was micro or macro aggression, um, which showed low expectations, didn't see my worth, um, just showed that division. And then I had the other ones, the type that I'm one that just really stands out to me, Miss um, Peterson, who who built relationships with all of us, who I know did not see color whatsoever. We, she invited us, this is way back in the day, she invited us to, um, this is my third grade teacher, she invited us to come over to our house, the girls, to spend a night. And she had all different types of dolls. And I just won't ever forget that. And she always praised all of us about how beautiful we were individually and just spent that time. Um, and then I had the other ones, again, like I stated, that just um, showed that different type of um, um, micro and macro aggression towards us, uh, to me. And it was maybe each year I felt like I was either one or two black in the classroom. And I never had a black teacher, never grew up with a black teacher, never had that opportunity. Um, so I, I want to thank them both because they both taught me both types taught me um, how to love people based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And so um, I wanna thank them for that. And they all taught me in different ways of indirectly or directly about how this little black girl is and how my mom um, taught me my worth, whether they, whether they saw it or not. And so that's who I want to thank. Okay. How can they find you? If they want to reach out to you on social media, how can they find you? How can they find me? Um, on Instagram, I have, uh, it's my, let's see, it's build underscore within. Mm -hmm. Build underscore within. It's my Instagram. All righty. Miss McWashington, you got it. All right. I would love to give a great big shout out to Mrs. Hannum. Um, Mrs. Hannum was my uh, sophomore chemistry teacher. Uh, just her, her poise, her genuineness uh, with a class majority of, at this time, African-American students. Uh, she didn't see color and we didn't see color. We saw a teacher. Uh, she was so phenomenal on uh, my junior year. Now it's time to take physics. Um, again, she rolled up, she's teaching physics now, but it was advanced physics. And I knew I had to have her class. So I was gonna take this advanced physics class. At the time, my path was, was truly pre-med. I was going to school to be a doctor. Everybody knew it. It's been that way all my life. And uh, she was so smart. And I asked, I said, knowing all of this physics, um, why didn't you go to be an engineer? And she said, I wanted to teach others to love science. I said, oh, that was so noble of her, but she missed out on the money. So I continued on, went through through college. It's my junior year. I'm in pre-med and it's something hit me like that passion. I thought that I wanted 
Mm-hmm. But it, it was a desire, but it wasn't a passion. Mm-hmm. And I went to the, the education um, dean and I said, here's my here's here's the classes. I got to be a teacher. And of course, I, I finished school, graduated and became a science teacher. I did have the opportunity, um, I guess, about three years to go to go back and see Miss Hannah to let her know those words that she stated. I want to teach others to love science stuck with me. Um, And if we have more teachers like Miss Hannums and the more teachers that, you know, other administrators have shouted out and and even students, um, we would just make just, you know, it would just be a a better world for for all of us. um, But to be, but she is my number one shout out. Awesome. So how can they find you on social media, Principal Mick Washington? I'm um, on Facebook under Kelly McWashington and also on Twitter under Kelly, that is K-E-L-L-I underscore McWashington. And so you guys can reach out to me there. Thank you guys for coming on the show. So I want to, both of the ladies spoke about the the leaders, the 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 teachers that they thank God for, those teachers didn't necessarily see color. And so I want to preface that and, and, and add content context to that because I know I have other viewers that are white and other races it doesn't mean that they don't see your color it means that they respect and love you for who you are so like when people say like I don't see color they do but they respect and love you for who you are no matter what that color is and so if we wanted to define that that's how we put a label on that it's just that I respect and love you for who we for who you are and then also I think uh, it was Principal Fitzpatrick she talked about going to her teacher's house and she was a white teacher but she had a doll of color right to represent that student that was a, a student of color so that she wanted to respect not only who she was as a phenomenal student, but who she is as a phenomenal person. So putting, I don't see color into context for anyone listening, that that's a good working framework to start with. Thank you, Principal McWashington and Principal Fitzpatrick for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Um, I had a great time with this episode. Um, Offline, we always laugh and joke and stuff that you never see. But for today's reflection, I want to like, Pick up where we left off with the with talking about the term or the phrase, I don't see color. To say I don't see color means that you don't want to be held accountable for seeing color. That means you feel like it doesn't exist when it does. The term I don't see color gives anyone a opportunity to live in a place of ambiguity is so vague that, you know, maybe I don't see color means I don't care about you. I don't see color means, you know, I, I, I care and enough not to even think about your race, but like why live in that space? Like embrace. I do see your color. I do see gender. I do see sexuality. And like, I respect all of that. And I want everyone to live in a place of harmony. Like I want to advocate because I do see the plight of the black man. I do see the plight of the Latino woman. I do see the plight of the dreamers. I do see the plight of being Asian American. I do see the plight of being a white woman. I see the plight of being a white man, whatever that may be. But for us to say that we don't see color means that we're saying that it does not exist. And we are not in those times where that type of, I'm sorry, that foolery can be accepted. 
So people, we do see color. The trick is, what are we going to do so that we can all live in this space because we do see each other? Thanks for listening.